Welcome to the BCS Podcast, where we explore the basics of computer science concepts. I'm your host, Saran, founder of Code Newbie. And I'm Fida Hijoshi, author and developer. And she is the brilliant mind behind the BCS blog series. Today we're talking about interpretation and compilation. This season of BCS is brought to you by Dev Discuss. Dev Discuss is a show I work on with the team at Dev, an international supportive community for developers. The show addresses the many burning topics that pop up on Dev every day and is hosted by Jess Lee and Ben Halpert, two of Dev's co-founders. Past episodes have included unpopular opinions with Kelsey Hightower, staff developer advocate at Google Cloud and a legendary voice in tech. So an unpopular opinion should be like, computers were a mistake. Was, <laughs> was this all worth it? And how changing your name is a difficult, unsolved, and sometimes personally devastating problem in tech. I basically walk through this world through this minefield of not knowing when I'm going to have this like sort of deep emotional wound reopened. As well as how little known tools can have big productivity gains. And I think it gives me the sense of structure, which I really enjoy. And also you can color code different things. Each episode features interesting guests from diverse backgrounds who are active in the software space. This podcast is your place for burning tech questions, answers, and genuine conversations. And we also end each episode with commentary from the everyday developers who call Dev home. You'd be surprised how many things making music and coding have in common. True to the Dev community, Dev Discuss wouldn't be possible without the input from all of you. So listen, rate, and subscribe to Dev Discuss wherever you get your podcasts. We started this entire show, all of BCS, by looking at binary. And we started the show by talking about binary, what it was, how it worked. We counted in binary, if mm-hmm. you remember. It was so much fun. We were such sweet summer children. Oh, summer children. We've come so far. <laughs> we have come so far. But let's go back for a second and let's remind ourselves what binary is. So what is binary all about? So binary, the way that we often think about it is the zeros and ones that a computer reads. And we sort of talked about like how computers have switches and on-off circuits and they sort of map to the zeros and ones that it basically parses and makes sense of because that's how computers eventually do anything is with zeros and ones. But really, the binary code that a computer reads and understands, it's like the machine language. It's like the language of that computer. And we refer to it as something called machine code. So the actual term binary is like the number system. But when you're really talking about the language that a computer understands, you're talking about the machine language, the machine code. And that can be different based on different kinds of languages. And it, it's, it's sort of like a program that can get converted down into binary by the machine. It's like machine readable. That's the really important part. And it's, it's really just a set of instructions that you give to the machine. And then the central processing unit, the CPU reads it. And there's like some magic in there about how it actually turns it into binary. But like, that's the thing I never said in episode one, <laughs> is that there's machine code. But that's, that is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so machine-readable code is super important for the machine, but obviously we cannot—well, I mean, I guess technically we could. We 
probably don't want to write in. No, I don't think we want to. We don't want to write machine code ourselves. We want to write human readable code. So mm-hmm. I guess the big question is, how do we go from our human readable code, our Ruby, our Python, or whatever, to our machine readable code? Mm, with the help of dun da 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 a translator. <laughs> Ooh, what's a translator? Does it translate? You hit the nail right on the head, Saron. A translator does indeed translate. <laughs> well, a translator is basically like a programming language processor. And what that means okay. is it takes whatever human-readable code that you're writing, which we can refer to as the source language or source text, and it translates that source language into something called a target language. And that's going to be the language that the machine understands, the machine-readable code. And it does that translation while also maintaining the logical structure of the code it's translating. So like it's like sort of doing like a one-to-one where it takes... Yeah, it's intact. Yeah, it's it's not really changing the structure of the code. It's just translating from human-readable to machine-readable. Okay, so we've talked about compilers mm-hmm. last episode, and I think the episode before that, if I'm remembering correctly. So it sounds like what a translator does is also what a compiler does. Is a compiler a type of translator, or is there a relationship there? Yeah, a compiler is one of the types of translators that you can use when you're trying to translate between a source language and a target language. And we'll recall from the last few episodes that a compiler has two different phases. It has that lexical analysis phase and the syntax analysis phase. Yes. Basically, that whole process, all of those phases that a compiler goes through, those are all steps in its translation process because all it does is take a high-level language and convert it down into machine code. And we won't get into like the itty-bitty parts of that just because like you could do a whole series on compilers probably. (laughs) Um, But the important thing about compilers when it comes to translation is that mm-hmm. compilers do all of their translating in one fell swoop. So what okay. that basically means is a compiler looks at that source text, that source language, and it translates all of it first before ever running that code or like executing mm. the code that it compiles it into. And it's sort of like, you know, do it in one shot. I translate it all at once. Okay, so you go through the compilation process with our compiler and you spit out, I guess you end up just with like a pile of machine code. Is that what you end up with? Mm, Yes. That pile of machine code (laughs) is also known as an executable. Ah, yes. You ever like downloaded a file and it's ended in like .exe somewhere from the internet and then they're like, oh, just download this and then type this command or whatever. And it's like something .exe. That's just an executable, and it's just a mm. file that can be executed. It executes the translated version of whatever the compiler okay. translated. And you don't actually need the compiler at that point. The compiler's already like, okay. done and gone. It's done its job. Done its job. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you, like, this translated version in an executable, and then the compiler's like, peace, here's your translation. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, like, the end product. Okay, so then... If what I am downloading in my EXE is the executable version of the code, does that mean I don't actually have the source code? Mm, Yes, you are right. You actually don't have the source code. You just have a compiled file. And what's kind of cool is that I can give you a compiled file and you can run it on your machine. 
theoretically. Mm-hmm. And you could run it again and again and again with different inputs. And you never have to see the source code, which is kind of cool. Huh. Like, I can just be like, I'm not going to show you this, but here's this executable that you can run. Don't worry about yeah. what was in the source text. Yeah. Here's the translation. I, guess I don't really care about the source. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, ultimately... I got to do what I got to do. And if I don't need the source code, <laughs> then I guess it's kind of irrelevant. Yes. Yeah. There, there can be downsides to that. And we'll get to that in a bit. But that's the TLDR of compilers. That's basically all they do. Okay. That's that's pretty straightforward. Are compilers the only type of translators? I think we're getting into interpreters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that nice? Yes. We're going to get into interpretation. The interpreter is the other kind of translator that we haven't talked about so far. Right. And interestingly, the work of building the interpreter couldn't have happened if someone didn't create the compiler. And actually, pro tip, Hmm. shout out to my girl Grace, Grace Hopper. (laughs) (laughs) My girl Grace. (laughs) Like you, like, go hang out at the mall or something. (laughs) Oh, man. I would have loved to. She seemed like such. That'd be fun. She seemed like such a badass. I feel like she'd be a really efficient shopper. I think mm-hmm. cuz she was in the military. Mm-hmm. She's like a navy. She what was she? She was like a She navy? was like an admiral. No, I made that I up. I think admiral. That's yeah. what it was. I don't know. I don't know like, what I was talking she about. had this really illustrious career and like people didn't believe in her and she was like, mm, "I don't need you to believe in me. I'm just going to make this compiler." Mm. Yeah. Like a boss. So she she created the compiler in 1952 and Cool. Quite a few years later after that, the interpreter was created, and it was because of her work on the compiler. So I just want to shout that out. Mm -hmm. And the interpreter is the other kind of translator, and it's heavily influenced by the early compiler work that Grace Hopper did, but it's different in what it does when it translates. Okay. What's the difference? So an interpreter doesn't do all of its work in one fell swoop. So instead, actually, here's a great way of thinking about it. And interpreters, like, you know, at the UN, when, like, there will be proceedings and, like, someone's, like, translating line by line, or, like, when you go to a conference and there's, like, a stenographer who's literally translating yes. as somebody talks, an interpreter's kind of like that. They're sort of doing it live. Cool. So an interpreter does do something similar to the compiler in that it takes a high-level language, which is our source language, source text, and it does convert it into machine code. But... It actually runs and executes the code that it translates immediately as it's translating it. So another term for that is running it in line. And so mm. when the interpreter is translating, it basically translates the source text into a target language one line at a time, and it's doing it step by step. So it's like, okay, read it, translate it. Here's the translated version. Okay, now I need to read mm. the source text again, translate it. Here's the translated version. So it's very systematic in that way. So it basically more or less ends up with the same result of translating our human code to machine code, but the way it does it, it's different, and the output is a little bit different too. Exactly. It's interesting that you mentioned the output because there isn't really an output in the sense of like an executable or like a file that's been compiled. That's that's not a okay. thing with interpreters because mm. the interpreter is kind of like – It's more committed in a way than the compiler. The compiler is just like, look. It's more faithful. (laughs) The compiler is like, here's your file. I'm leaving. Bye. The interpreter sticks around because it has to like actually translate line by line, right? Like if you imagine if the stenographer was just like, bye, in the middle of your talk, then you wouldn't have any translation left. Instead, the stenographer stays around and it's like translating line by line. So in a similar way, the interpreter 
translates your source code line by line and executes it at the same time. So you don't need mm. you don't need a compiled file. You don't need an executable. This interpreter's right. doing it for you, but then the interpreter's sticking around. So that's like okay. sort of a fundamental difference. Does that have an effect on performance mm. of the interpreter versus the compiler? Oh my gosh, you have such a good intuition for compilers and interpreters. You're asking all mm-hmm, the good questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm very smart. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It does have an impact on how quickly you can translate that code. So generally speaking, code that is compiled tends to run faster. Like it makes sense if you think about it, you've done the work of translating the source text into machine code already before you even tried to execute it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, interpreted code, you are translating it as you go, like sort of live. Right. It just seems like it'd be a slower because intuitively it just felt like it'd be a slower process. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm cooking and eating together, <laughs> I <laughs> I'm just imagining you, know you doing mean? that. What does that even look like? like well, like, well, I mean, if you're cooking really well, mm-hmm. then you can't help but like sample along the way. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you're like done cooking, you've also finished eating. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No? We, it's just me. We, you and I cook differently. I cool. must be a compiler. <laughs> I'm like, listen, we're going to make everything and we're going to sit down and eat. And you don't taste anything during. You just like, you cook it all the way through and then you eat it. I mean, I guess so I do. in my but, version, yeah. but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're like sampling a little bit here and there. Yeah. So I feel like if you cook the way I cook, you're not really cooking fast or eating fast. Or efficiently. You're like doing everything. You're not very efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're like trying to multitask. You know, you got a little bit of pasta in the pot. You got pasta in your mouth. You know, it's just, it's like a whole mess. Mm-mm-mm. I have something to say Uh-oh. about that process. Uh-oh. I would like to point out that if you cook your way where you are, yes. you know, checking things as you go, if something goes yeah. wrong, you can immediately like figure out what was the thing in the process that went wrong, like where mm, the problem was, right? That's true. So like if that's you're like making pasta and you're like, oh my God, there's no salt in this sauce. Like you're like, oh, <laughs> I know exactly where the problem is. It's the sauce and yes. there's no salt, I guess. <laughs> in fact, Chef Gordon Ramsay encourages you <laughs> To taste. <laughs> this is really just a cooking show in disguise. <laughs> We've taken a hard turn into the to kitchen. T- <laughs> <laughs> he encourages you to taste while he says, taste everything. Mm. Taste everything. That's not a British accent. He says, taste everything. Because otherwise, you won't know how well you've been seasoning. Because it's really hard to just, you know, tell the seasoning just from measuring it. You got to taste mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. along the way. So Chef Ramsay cooks like I cook. We are interpreters, and that is that. Mm-hmm. And to bring it back to code for a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I, I I think you you have a really great analogy, and, like, I just want to tie it into what an interpreter would do in terms of, like, interpreting lines of code. There's, right. like, flexibility to an interpreter because if the interpreter is staying around to run the source code, it's sort of, like, interactive. And so if, let's say you know, there's an error or something goes wrong, if you've written your program well, then maybe you catch the error and you you surface it to the programmer. And mm-hmm, if you were mm-hmm. interpreting line by line, now you've, you've made it like a little bit easier to debug what went wrong because you are literally at that point in the translation where something went wrong. On the flip side, like, well, okay, one caveat before I go into the flip side. One caveat here is that you have to actually catch the bug, right? Like you could also have an issue and then it could all explode 
and then your interpreter wouldn't know mm. what to do. So that's like important to mention. Mm. But mm -hmm. with a compiler, like let's say something went wrong in the process. Imagine that I just gave you the executable file and it blows up on you. If you don't have the source code, you might not even know like where the issue is because you've just got the translated oh. version. So it could be huh. really hard to debug that and figure out what went wrong mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. you don't even have the compiler and now you just have a translation and you're like, oh, okay, now I have to figure out where in this things blew up and I don't even know how to read this and right. it could be tricky. But it is faster. Those are some good points. So it feels like if we look at kind of just like the high-level differences that we just talked about, we have what gets returned is different, compiler gets an executable, interpreter gets kind of like nothing. Like you get like the result of your executed code mm -hmm. if there is a result, mm -hmm. but that's kind of it. We talked about compiler, you run it once, interpreter, you need to run it every single time. Or it's like constantly running is is the way to or think about it. Or it's constantly running, yes. Every time you need the source code the whole time. It's, it's committed. Yeah. And if you make a change, it has to run again to pick up on that change and retranslate yes. it. So. It evolves with you. It moves with you. Oh, that's deep. And then we talked about debugging, how a compiler, you can't really figure out if anything's wrong until the very end. But interpreter, you can taste your seasoning along the way. So it sounds like there's like just generally trade-offs, right? Mm -hmm. I guess just like when we pick any type of tech tool, there's always going to be trade-offs. So I'm wondering, do you have a favorite? Mm. Are you a, a compiler versus an interpreter kind of gal? I really like interpreters for debugging. But I will say this. We talked about like the high-level differences, but there right. are some compilers that do things really well that interpreters don't do. Like, for example, there's a language called Rust, whose compiler I really find interesting. It basically mm. doesn't let you compile it into, like, that source text um, if you have any bugs. And it makes it oh, very, cool. very safe. So, like, that's really cool. I like that kind of compiler. Mm. And then there's some interpreters <laughs> where I'm like, oh, this is kind of annoying. Like, you can have bugs at runtime. And, and mm. then sometimes I'm like, oh, this interpreter sucks. So it really, it, it's just like, as you said, it's the trade-offs of choosing a language and whatever, whatever things you're trying to do with it, like thinking about what translator is going to come out of the box for you. And like there's other interesting things about compilers and interpreters in terms of security and like how you're building for people. So like if you have a, if you use a compiler, then people don't need the source text, but then you need to make sure that your executable works for everybody. So sometimes you'll have to be mm. like, okay, I have to make sure this works for Windows and Mac and Linux. Right. And with right. interpreters, you're not giving somebody an executable, but then you do need to make sure that when, when someone downloads your interpreter, like the Ruby interpreter, for example, you want to make sure that it works with Windows because mm. that interpreter is your only translator. There's no, you know, there's no executable. You got to make sure it works. Nothing else. So yeah. there's, there's different trade-offs and they're both like two different tools for the same job, which is turning human readable code into something that makes sense to your machine, which is a really yeah. important job. So as developers, do we get to pick if we want to use a compiler or interpreter or does it just generally come with the language that we choose? So you mentioned like Rust, for example, is Rust always compiled or is there also a Rust interpreter or how does that work? Yeah, usually it, when you pick a language, you're making a de facto decision about whether you're using mm -hmm. an interpreted language or a compiled language. So by choosing the language, you probably want to know whether you're going with compilation or interpretation. And when you make that decision, you will get one or the other as your translator. Okay, cool. And that's the end of today's show. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and make sure to check out Vaidhi's blog post. Link to that is in your show notes. Also, make sure to take a listen to the Dev Discuss podcast that I help make. 
It's the first original podcast from Dev, a global community of software developers of all backgrounds and experience levels. And the show covers burning topics that impact the daily lives of programmers and beyond. Hosted by Dev co-founders Ben Halpern and Jess Lee. This episode was edited and mixed by Levi Sharp. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you.